Good morning. It's great to be with you and to be able to share this morning in our series on Sermon on the Mount. In 2001, I was at the Millennium Stadium with my father to celebrate his 65th birthday. We were watching Argentina versus Wales. Now, if you put on a red jersey, then one expects there to be a certain level of play, a certain standard to be attained. You're wearing the red jersey. You're wearing the colours of the nation. You're representing your country. But something didn't add up on that particular Saturday. The chaps on the pitch didn't look like those who should be wearing the red jersey. Wales lost for the first time ever to Argentina at the Millennium Stadium and were well beaten. I don't think I was alone in my confusion. The Sunday Times reporting the next day on the match made mention of the signs that were around the ground. These signs stated that trespassers onto the pitch would face criminal prosecution. Because those on the pitch playing the game actually looked nothing like the Welsh national team should, the Times wondered whether they also were going to face prosecution for being on the pitch. It's a humorous little anecdote, but makes me ask the question, how do we do at reflecting the kingdom of God? Is there enough evidence in my life, in our lives, to convince people that we belong to God, that we are God's people? As we come to our text today, I begin without apology by reflecting on the context of this sermon. Why? Because if we don't understand the context, we're in danger of getting it all wrong. We can so easily treat this sermon as all about our works, our achievement, earning God's favour in some way, and it is nothing of the kind. This sermon is given in the context of Jesus proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. God's rule is being established in and through the person of Jesus. That is the kingdom of God coming. And in proclaiming it, he calls people to gather around him, to be his disciples, to look like him. Can you hear that call? Have you heard that call over the few weeks we've been looking at this sermon? I believe that's one of the prophetic sounds that God wants to speak to us as we reside in this sermon, that God is calling us, Jesus is calling us to gather around him afresh anew, to learn of him, to be his disciples and to look like him. Listen for the call. And the good news of this gospel of the kingdom is that when you receive and enter the kingdom of God, you receive all, everything you need to look like God's people, to reflect that kingdom. What do I mean? Well, you receive a new heart. You're freed from the power of sin so that you can both look like God in your character and look like him in your actions. You're anointed and you're empowered by the Spirit of God. Inward change takes place in you that produces outward transformation. It's all in the package that you receive when you enter the kingdom, when you respond to Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount then doesn't 
proscribe, prescribe how you must be in order to enter the kingdom. It describes what you become when you've entered the kingdom and received Jesus. We've been living, haven't we, in a pandemic for this last 12 months or so, and this pandemic continues sadly to rage around the countries of the world. We know that. In our country, we had hands, face, space, all about stopping an infection being passed on. And if you contracted COVID, you had to isolate and try to rid your body of the destructive infection of this thing. The kingdom of God is good infection. It's divine infection. It works from the inside and gradually spreads through my whole life, transforming my life, transforming me. And it's an infection that we want to pass to everyone we meet. It's good. Kingdom then works from within us to change us. Let's go to the scriptures. Matthew 5 verse 13 to 16. Verse is that are well known by most of us. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. First question, who are the you? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Who are the you? Well, the you are those who are gathered around Jesus, being formed by him, whose hearts have been changed and who are busy living out the blessings of this sermon. And we are included in the you if we've accepted Jesus and we've entered the kingdom. Matthew says, as we've just read, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He uses two metaphors, two descriptions to help us understand our role and our identity as his people. So let's look at those two metaphors. Firstly, salt. Well, salt has all kinds of properties, as we know. It's purifying, it's preserving, it's cleansing, it's healing, and of course it adds taste. Who knows exactly which aspect of salt Jesus has in his mind as he speaks this word, but what is clear is the vital necessity of salt and that if salt loses its essence of salt in whatever kind of way, it becomes useless. It's no good for anything. The salty here are those infected by the kingdom of God. Or to put it another way, the salty here are those who, if we look back at the Beatitudes that Andy and Robin took us into, the salty are those who are living out being poor in spirit, who mourn, who are meek, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who are merciful, who are pure in heart, who are peacemakers and who are persecuted because of righteousness. Those ones are salt. But if we lose that, if we forget 
Jesus, the one around whom we're being formed. If we forget this empowering kingdom and live as we please, we become unsalt-like, useless as far as reflecting God to the world and as far as keeping the world from destructive tendencies. Isn't that what Street Pastors is all about? Being salt out there on the streets, reducing crime, and the authorities want street pastors there because of the good that comes from them being salt. What about the night shelters? We're needed or debt counselling. We're wanted. Why? Because we salt society. We do society good. But the question is, what new things does God want us to stop, step into, whether individually or together, as we come out of this lockdown? How do we continue to salt society? Mental health is obviously high on the agenda. What role the church or individuals of the church? What about relationships? I know Jenny's been doing some divorce recovery courses. Are there other relationship issues we need to face? What about the wife battering that has been on the increase during lockdown? How does the church serve in that? Or how do we pick up on those who find themselves unemployed, maybe for the first time in their lives, who have lost their livelihoods and their jobs? Or perhaps how do we respond to those who during this lockdown have been turning to prayer and have opened themselves up in a way that perhaps they never have before? Are you, am I, salty? A salty Christian? Are we influencing for good and for God? The second metaphor that Matthew uses is light. And he uses it, he illustrates it in two ways. The first illustration is that town or city on a hill. You can see the light for miles. It helps you orient yourselves. It helps you know where you are. Maybe for Jesus, he has in mind the temple mount, the place where the temple was situated. And if he does, there's all kinds of symbolism in that because the temple symbolizes the presence of God. But we won't go there today. Let's stick with the city itself. I want you to come with me into the deserted mountains and moors of Scotland. It's late at night. There's no light pollution. As you look into the night sky, the stars are clearer than they've ever been before. In many ways, it's a wonderful setting, particularly if you want to stargaze. But if you're lost, it's a whole different story. You're lost in a place that is so dark because there's no light pollution that you can't even see the hand in front of your face. In that place, the light of the city suddenly enables you to see. Even if it's on the horizon many, many miles away, it enables you to see enough to work out where you are, to get your bearings, to see where you need to go. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. The second illustration that Matthew uses is about a lamp being lit. Can you imagine coming home from a journey? And probably many of us have done this. You've got your kids, you've arrived back home, it's late at night. You walk into the house, what's the first thing you do? You turn on the light. Can you imagine how ridiculous and crazy it would be if you go, I've turned the light on, but I've covered it up. We need the light to see, to take the kids upstairs, to put them in their beds, to not bump into the, the, the staircase or whatever. 
How ridiculous to say, I've covered the light up. It's there to help you see. It's there to give light. So don't hide your light. If you hide your light in the way that that, if the lamp was hidden, it denies the purpose of its very existence. You don't hide your light. It denies who you are. Your light dispels darkness. Your light brings peace. Your light brings hope and joy. Your light brings salvation. In chapter 4, Matthew describes Jesus' preaching as fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. Namely, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Jesus is the light. Now we become light also. To be light in this context is to be those who are living out the blessings of the kingdom. It's those who are poor in spirit. It's those who mourn, those who are meek. Can you hear a theme coming through here? It's those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's those who are merciful. It's those who are pure in heart. It's those who are peacemakers and are persecuted before right because of righteousness. They are the light. But if we lose that, if we forget Jesus, forget this empowering of the kingdom and live as we please, we hide our light and do not reflect God to the world and light up the way. The goal of all this is the glory of God. And we achieve that glory for God as we let our lights shine and remain salty. This is our unique identity, brothers and sisters. This is our purpose as disciples of Jesus. We are this as we live out our Christianity in full view of the world. Let your light shine before men, not for our glory, but so that people may see our deeds, may see our character. And to the extent that we are salt and light, they will bring glory to God. They will point to God. And isn't that what we want? Disciples, you and me, as we adhere to Jesus, are indispensable to the world. Without the salt and light that glorifies God, the world will stagnate and be left in darkness. This is our story, folks. We as salt and light fronted abolition of slavery. We have fronted the formation of schools, the development of hospitals. That's the story of the Christian faith. Because we're salt and light. We are salt and light. We provide hundreds and thousands of youth workers and street pastors and debt counsellors and night shelters and refugee support workers, let alone the philanthropists and the business owners and those who provide employment. We do all kinds of good in society as we live out our Christian identity, being formed around Jesus, adhering to Jesus, being shaped by this sermon with the character of God. And we do it individually in our daily lives and we do it together for the glory of God. So let me encourage you as we listen to this sermon and keep working through the Sermon on the Mount. Holy Spirit, fill us 
again afresh with your life-empowering presence. Transform me and make me look more like Jesus. Let me be attitudes, become my attitudes and my character and my conduct. And as we work through this sermon, Lord, let the different descriptions of what it means to be a disciple of yours be seen and shown in my life, that my life can be lived before others. And they can glorify my Father who is in heaven. Do we want that? I think we do. Let me finish by reading the message version of our text. It's really quite powerful. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavours of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colours in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on the hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. God bless you. I hope you're encouraged. Keep being salt and light. And we'll see this this society transformed as God, by his spirit, transforms our lives. Amen.